A poem is a small machine made of words. William Carlos Williams. Welcome to the Small Machine Talks, exploring the poetry scene of Central Canada and beyond with Amanda Earl and A.M. Kozak. Hi, welcome to the Small Machine Talks. I'm Amanda Earl. This is episode 64, and I am here with Sachiko Murakami. Welcome, Sachiko. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Well, thanks for being on the show. We, of course, we're, we're not doing this live. I'm in, I'm in my apartment in Ottawa, and Sachiko is, is elsewhere, somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So I, I, so what I, I'd like to do is, uh, I would, first of all, I'd like to congratulate you on Render and uh, say uh, it's a great book and uh, glad you, you, glad you've uh, had it published and written it. So thanks for that. Thank you. Okay. Thank I'll, you. I'll, I'll start actually reading the bio like I'm supposed to do at the start of these things. Sachiko Murakami is the author of four collections of poetry. Her first collection, The Invisibility Exhibit, published by Talon Books in 2008, was a finalist for the Governor General's Literary Award and the Gerald Lampert Memorial Award. She has also created many collaborative digital poetry products, most notably Project Rebuild, and I'll put the link up on the site to projectrebuild.ca, a companion to her second collection, Rebuild, by Talon Books in 2011. She's edited poetry for Insomniac Press and Talon Books, worked for trade organizations, organized reading series in Montreal, Vancouver, and Toronto, and judges, judges prizes, including the Governor General's Literary Award, the Japan Canada Award, and various poetry prizes. She's the recipient of multiple grants from the Canada Council for the Arts, the Ontario Arts Council, and the Toronto Arts Council. She was the 2017 Jack McClelland Writer-in-Residence at the University of Toronto, and has taught creative writing in the University of Toronto School of Continuing Studies and elsewhere. She writes, edits, and teaches in Toronto. I'll also post uh, your your site on the on on the on the Small Machine Talk site as well. So we'll have that as well. Sometimes I promise to do these things and then I don't actually do them. So so but I, I, I I'm getting better at that. So uh, anyway welcome to the show Sachiko. It's great to have you here. Um, Thanks. Happy to be here. That's good. You're in our virtual space. Uh, so I had the chance to immerse myself in your poetry and projects from your books to your online projects. I loved reading your work and the way in which you engage with fellow poets to create poems, your sense of play, your spirit of community throughout your work as well. I relate to a lot of that. I'm, I'm a firm believer in both community and whimsy, so I <laughs> enjoy that. Uh, as much as I love them, I'm not going to talk much about Rebuild or Get Me Out of Here except to say that community has been a big part of your poetic pra practice since your first book, if not before, begin beginning with Orenga turned into a video of 27 Toronto poets and published as a, as a broadside by the Emergency Response Unit. Oh, I, I remember that press very well. And raised money for relief efforts for the Jap Japan tsunami and earthquake in 2011. Two of your books and several projects treat the act of poem creation as a collaboration between the computer and between other poets. I see both the invisibility exhibit and render as acts of community also. Do you think that render can be seen as an act of community? Um, it's funny. I think that people may, like, I guess it kind of started uh, with that impulse. Like the impulse I had originally was to uh, ask people about their dreams and then write poems based on their dreams. Mm -hmm. Um, and I ended up abandoning that and going inward instead and using my own dreams as material. So, uh, I think it's the most inward and maybe 
on the surface, like the least kind of community minded of my books, but it's also about recovery, which itself is a, is I feel happens in community. So, um, I mean, one of the kind of like hopes I have for the book is that, uh, that like I and I feel like reading itself is is always a kind of like communal experience, right? Um, so the the potential for somebody who has found themselves in the same situation, seeing themselves in the book, uh, is is kind of like one of my hopes for the book. So um, uh, it it's not there's no kind of structural community element the way there right. has been in in previous books. Like you can get me out of here or with Project Rebuild. So not structurally, but uh, kind of in the spirit of, I would say. Yeah. I was reading the the review, your first review on the Puritan. I can't remember the name of the, the person who uh, did the review. But yeah, he mentioned about the uh, how this book was uh, more inward looking than your other books. But I, mm-hmm. I was looking at the invisibility exhibit, and I still think there's some inward looking stuff in there. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't know. Really yeah, I mean, like, I guess, like... Not never uh, not there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the invisibility exhibit kind of started with the kind of, um, with the missing and murdered women of Vancouver's yeah. downtown east side, and kind of looked at that, it, like as a as a social and political uh entity like and the the kind of uh structures that allow that to happen and the kind of way in for me to that story quote unquote was through my relationship with my mother who lived in the downtown east side at the time so um so i think the kind of inward aspects of that book are really about in those moments with like with between me and her in the book. Um, yeah, I would say, but like in, uh, there's always been kind of like this superstructure of like, uh, the, you know, like a, a, a topic, which is like the downtown East side or Vancouver real estate or, yeah. uh, airports. Um, and this one is just me. <laughs> I am the topic. So it's a little bit different. Yeah. <laughs> I, so my, my publisher is really bill, billing it as like a, a, a poetic memoir, which I think oh, yeah. is fair to say. Not, not that it's like as narrative as a memoir, like it's not like, um, it's not like, you know, it doesn't follow through my life in a very linear way, but definitely the subject of the poems is me. So that makes sense. I mean, I keep getting confused when people call um, Elizabeth Smart's by Grand Central Station. Um, I sat down and wept. I I always think of it as a long poem and I get confused when people say it's a novel. Oh, right. It is. I guess so. I mean, genre labels, it's, it's, it's a very difficult thing to, for me to always wrap my head around. So poetic memoir, that sounds, that sounds like a good thing to say too. I can, I can see that. So, and sort of along similar lines on Twitter, January 9th, 2020, you say in these poems, I rendered trauma, addiction and recovery through dreams and waking experience, pretty vulnerable making, but here's hoping it may speak to someone. So that was, you know, isn't it weird when someone quotes a tweet? Like, yeah. <laughs> I've never done that before, but it, it just seemed relevant because so because I want to address the vulnerability. And, and I this is what I wrote to you at the time. And now I'm looking at the, what I've written because I, I wrote these questions last month. Uh, I'm also concerned about how to do so in a sensitive way. Uh, and I, I tell you we can move on at any point or you can decide not to answer anything you would prefer not to answer. And I say my goal is to focus on the craft of the poems, which is exceptional. But I, I find it weird how I'm, I want to be so ca- – I mean, I'm glad I, I want to be careful, but in some ways, like, like – 
what is it about us that, uh, I don't know if this is something typical of poets or of writers in general or artists, this need to feel nervous about approaching a personal, like a, a write, work that is personal, you know, or, or like, it's a strange Yeah, I mean, thing. one thing that they, like the first thing you're taught in a workshop, and it's the first yeah. thing that I mentioned to my students is like, I is not the writer. I is not the writer. So like, don't just assume that she's, that this dead grandmother is, is her dead grandmother, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, there's like a weird kind of distance. And I think that you have some more questions about that later. Okay. But um, because I don't know, like the, I, I guess like throughout my life and I've used vulnerability as a kind of armor, if that makes any sense. Like I felt always like when things were really bad when I was a kid and uh, my mother was in and out of the hospital in high school, I would, um, I, and we, she had a very, like very public kind of uh, meltdowns. I never tried to hide it because I felt that if I owned it, then people couldn't use it against me, that if that makes sense. sense. No, it totally um, And then, so there's that aspect that I've always kind of like feeling like uh, being comfortable with like, not, I mean, not comfortable, but like being, having that kind of relation in terms of bad things happening. Um, and then in recovery, um, the retelling of your story happens over and over again in a semi-public space within like a 12-step meeting where you right. tell people very, very personal things about yourself uh, in, in a safe space where people aren't supposed to uh, comment on the things that you say. Um, but you just, uh, you learn to find a strength in, in sharing those things, especially because you're talking about them in retrospect, right? You're talking right. about them as something that happened after, like before, something that happened before. Right. And like, now my life is different. So I think there's two, those things happening in there. Um, yeah. I mean, like, but then, you know, the internet is a mean place and who knows, like, if some random person is going to try to use my my vulnerability against me i like you know twitter would be a good place to do that but i i don't, I don't think i register enough on on people's radar for anybody to do that so yeah and, and, and you know we, we we have there are a lot of people who would be uh willing to fight that person anyway so uh, you know, I'll, <laughs> I'll join in but uh, yeah, I, I don't think we, i hope that that isn't the case uh yeah so yeah, so dreams and nightmares are entangled with memory and history to address trauma, anxiety, abuse, addiction, miscarriage, subjects that are difficult to write about. Can you talk about the process of working on these poems? Uh, did you use any strategies to avoid writing them? Like something I have an issue with myself. What made it possible for you to write them and, and to submit the manuscript for publication? Was there a moment or moments when you felt nervous about doing so? Or even now, is it, is it a little bit scary okay. to have the book out? Yeah. Um, so like I was just talking about that, uh, I don't write, like I don't write from within an experience in general because I feel like it's too, when I'm actually in a really difficult experience, I am not in a place to write a poem about it. I'm just like processing the, the experience or shut down from the experience or not accessing the experience, right? Like that's what trauma does is it just like, you can't, I can't speak. Literally, I can't speak when something like that is happening. So all of the kind of difficult subjects that I write about are written about from after. 
right not during um and yeah so uh i guess it's a way of of um sorry i just lost my train of thought um i'm just trying to think about the questions that you asked. how to write that right um, yeah i didn't yeah i didn't avoid i mean like i'm sure that there are lots of things i didn't write about in the book because I avoided writing about them. So whatever ended up in the book, maybe there's like way worse things that I ended up talking about. Um, Probably gonna call you on it though. So like, yeah, I mean, so like in order to write from that place, like I need to feel like very safe. Like I need to feel safe in my life and safe in my life means like I need like a good night's sleep and I need to be well fed and I need like, I need to, there to not be any drama. Like I don't write when there's any kind of drama happening in my life. I just like, I, all I do is focus on the drama. Right. Mm. Um, and I don't know, maybe, maybe it's like completely like a misguided thing that I submitted it for publication. Maybe I should have just kept it to myself. <laughs> but right, no. This is that the book that I wrote. Right. So I had to submit it for publication. And now like, I mean, I feel like, yeah, I mean, like, I've read these poems out loud in front of people, like, uh, yeah. in advance of the publication, and the the reception has always been so generous and kind um, that it really makes me feel like I did the right thing for myself yeah. to do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I, I really appreciate it. I, I, I can relate to some of it. So, well, I can relate to a lot. So I appreciate it. I'm sure there are many people who can and or even people with family members or loved ones, you know, who they, I think it's, it's a wonderful thing that you've, that you put it out. Um, and so we, we talked a little bit about the role of distance. So when you were working on, on the poems, did you think about the role of distance between author and speaker of the poem? Was that necessary for you? Um, and did the structure of entangling dreams and nightmares with memory and history help to maintain the distance in some ways? Yeah. So, okay. So let me just think about this. Okay. So in therapy, um, uh, when I was, I did, I did somatic therapy, which I talk about in the book. Yeah. Uh, and the important thing during somatic therapy is to narrate your experience, to witness your experience, um, and to articulate that experience. So, um, it's, I, I guess I kind of think about it as like a therapeutic eye. Uh, I know that like we're talking about like not equating the speaker with I right. or sometimes using you to create a distance. Um, and I think that is something that I do to like, that I like narrate the experience in order to, to achieve distance from it. So like when you're telling, I don't know if you've gone through something difficult and then you, t you just tell the same story over and over again to a bunch of different people because there's something about, telling the story and becoming the author of that story gives you distance from the actual experience of uh, being the person that that had that experience if that makes any sense no it does i i i've constantly um i had a uh, a near-death health crisis in 2009 and uh, i'm not aware I'm so of what happened uh but um my husband, uh, I ha have him tell me the story over and over again, but I also, I'm always like, sometimes I feel almost self-conscious when I say, oh, I know I'm talking about this to people. Maybe I'm talking about it too much, you know, but uh, I still, like it's a, over a decade and I still, uh, I talk a lot about it. I write a lot about it. And I seem to have to still talk about it. Like, Yeah, yeah, story. fair. Yeah, yeah, so, <laughs> yeah uh, fair. I, I feel like um, 
those intense experiences like anybody that tells you like oh you should be over it by now um, <laughs> maybe hasn't had an experience like that you yeah. know what i mean and I or too, maybe I, that they're they just they're not dealing with it very well if they have that could be it too like i know that uh, some childhood things for me are just starting to need to come out now and so I, I seem to be writing more about it and talking more publicly about it but i don't know maybe a decade ago i wasn't ready to do that so yeah so sure Sure. Yeah. And sometimes life situations like uh, you didn't even know that they were there until you get yourself into like, I'm a new parent and things are coming up for me that I had. I just did, didn't know they were there until yeah. my baby came and I'm like, oh, now I know that these things are here. Welcome. Kind of annoying that I have to deal with you and the baby at the same time. But, you know, like, uh, <laughs> Yes, it's not, it's a spiral, right? It's not like this linear, linear recovery is not a linear thing, right? What is actually, what's a linear, what is linear? I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. Maybe driving, um, but I'm not a driver, so I don't even know that. <laughs> yeah, so I just, I don't know. I guess, I guess a lot of it is like, um, I don't think that, I don't, I don't think I consistently use you in the, in the book. Probably you is mostly me. Um, and, when when there's a you it might be a signal that uh i needed a bit more distance from that specific right. situation um that's not something that i consciously de decided on like when i use you it means this and when i use i it means this like but uh i think that's definitely and like also it's like me working with my memory so i'm picturing the thing happening in my mind and that seems like like so many so much of my life, I feel like, is a different person, like, especially in recovery, like the before and after of recovery. So there's that as well. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Um, and then the dream, like using dreams um, as, sorry, I'm just trying to remember your question. Um, <laughs> I asked so many at once. <laughs> Yeah, oh, yeah, the dream, the dreams of entangling dreams and nightmares with yeah. help to maintain a distance for you at all, or just yeah. I, I mean, like I often talk to my students about like finding uh, like a sideways way into a subject rather than like coming at it head on because sometimes the head on way isn't the best way in a poem um, right. to you know like the most obvious way and try to like sneak in sideways. Um, and I think maybe my dreams were like a sideways into my experience because I don't understand my dreams and I don't attribute, you know, uh, I don't attribute like kind of one-to-one -one meaning of anything for my dreams and I don't understand them. I just know that there's some resonances with my dreams and my waking experience. So that's kind of how I worked with the material. If I had a dream that was particularly uh um disturbing <laughs> disturbing right. or that that uh moved me when i woke up then that's when i used it as a material so you um i i was gonna say did you keep any kind of a do you are you someone who keeps or has kept like a dream journal or anything like that or yeah pretty for this project in particular i i had um a folder on my phone I'm not, I'm not very good with longhand, much to the disappointment of my partner, who's a fountain pen collector uh -huh. and always trying to get me to use fountain pens. But I, I just use my phone to write things down because it's always next to me. And so I have like a folder on my phone where I kept all the notes and I 
do the thing where you, as soon as you wake up, like write down your dreams. I have not been doing that lately also because I do not get more than uh, like two hours of continuous sleep anymore. And I don't really dream that much. So I, I haven't been doing that lately. No. Well, if you need to take a little nap, that's okay. We, we can take yeah. a break. <laughs> no, I'm okay. Today I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. I, I know I, I was uh, thinking too in um, the Invisibility exhibit, uh, you write uh, in a poem, No, Not Me. Mm-hmm. Thanks for pronouns and other ploys. Mm-hmm. I like that. I, I thought that was an interesting. I know you're not necessarily doing it with intent that you in the eye, but uh, do you actually, um, w- when you were editing the poems, did you know? Did you notice that sort of switch between and 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 think about it at that point in the editing process? Yeah, I I think so. That's not really. I don't think that's really what I focused on. I just it right. felt if it felt right. But that poem specifically that you're talking about, yeah. no, not me, is um uh, a lipogram that avoids yeah. the eye the yeah. the use of eye uh, and, and it's the, the o- other ploys <laughs> yeah and that's the only so actually that was in response to something that fred waugh said to me mm-hmm. uh, when i joined the kootenai school of writing he offered to read my manuscript and then he read it and then i think maybe the only thing he said to me was like watch your pronouns <laughs> And so like I went through the whole book and really thought about my pronouns. And at the same time, I was like descending pretty heavily into addiction. Um, and so the uh, um, that poem in that book is the only one where it's about me uh, and about my kind of uh, like being in addiction and not really being able to talk about it. So it's kind of a precursor to render. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the, it's like the it's like the 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 prologue to render, really. So, and yeah. that's, that's I honed right in on that poem right away with that because mm-hmm. like, I read I read everything in in um, did I read them in order of of publication or did I read them in reverse order? Did I start? With, I can't remember. If I started with render and worked my way backwards, or started uh-huh. with uh, the invisibility exit. No, I did. I started with render and worked my way backwards. So uh-huh. that's an interesting way of. Maybe. Yeah, and at the time when I when it came out in two thousand and eight, it was very unfashionable to write about yourself at all. Yeah. Like it was just really like you do not write about your personal experience at all. That is just like not that is not what we do in poetry, you know. <laughs> it yeah. was like, and so it was, so I felt a lot of anxiety about uh, being in the poem at all, and I think that's why it turned into a lipogram. Mm-hmm. That, well, I was, that's a good strategy. It's kind of approaching it sideways in a way too, right? That's yeah. a similar idea. Yeah, it's funny. I remember back then the use of the term confessional was kind of an, a derisive term, right? Like, sure was. Like, yeah. You don't want to be a confessional, even though some of my favorite poets like you know, are the ones that were like the Sylvia Plath and stuff like that. They all did that. And now it feels like it's really changed in that it, people are encouraged more to write. Uh, uh, sure. Thanks, Rupi Carr. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Was it Rupi Carr? Is that even her name? I can never, I, something like that, I think right? So. I, I think so. Yeah. I, I'm so bad with names that I I, I, uh. I, I spell everyone's name wrong. I, I say everyone, I, it's just, it's a mess. So I, it's yeah. getting worse in my 50s. Like I'm just losing words. Yeah. I mean, that's not that's not quite fair for well, for me to just say that it's just about that. But I think that the new generation of poets aren't afraid to yeah. uh, to have their feelings like to to have their feelings and I always felt like with my generation uh, and I can't believe that I'm not the generation anymore now I'm (laughs) I'm old now but uh it was like 
I don't know. Like it was always like, you have to keep yourself out of the poem. Like you can't be in there. It's not, it's, but I'm like, but you're still there. You're just at a remove. Like no matter what procedure or like what tricks you're doing, you're still there. Like you're the one writing the poem. Like (laughs) you could try to try to erase yourself, but like, we know you're there. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah, the author can't can't be killed, <laughs> really. Yeah. You know, as much as yeah. they want them dead, it sometimes. Yeah, no, that's it. Um, <laughs> not not we don't want to know. Okay, so yeah, okay, so um, the other the other uh, 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 I guess a kind of a doubling is I. Okay, so aside from I and you referring to the same person with the poem, there's also I and the girl which mm. I saw as a kind of doubling or separation as well. In acknowledgments, for instance, um, I said, is there a power in claiming my, between my legs? It uh, also ties with the way the narrator de- defer, refers to events as a story, as if made up or dream, not facts. And there's a quote here, body, listening to my body's story, not worth preserving in a dream. So. Right. Uh, well, that poem specifically is about um being in a blackout Mm -hmm. and i don't know if everybody has the experience of uh being in a blackout (laughs) um i I never have it yeah okay so um it's kind of like these like flashes of uh of like memory right because your memory your memory stops working um, when you become blackout drunk, right? So you you were still the same person or whatever, but you don't remember most of it. Um, but from in my experience, I kind of experienced flashes and then it's gone and then flashes is gone. So it's like 5 p.m. and then it's 7 p.m. And right. It's like, um, so I think that the girl and the I in those situations points more towards disassociation than anything. I would right. say, yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Um, so um, that kind of feeling of like, oh, this this one I did associate this this part. I I feel like it was me in that experience, and this part it felt like that happened to somebody else because I was so disassociated. Right. Yeah. I, one of the things I've done in in writing these uh, little notes is that I've, I I'm hoping that I haven't mixed up the invisibility exhibit and uh, render because I, I was writing about uh, quotes from okay. both. So if, I, if I've done <laughs> okay. that, just let me know. So I have okay. other examples, for instance, in the poem, Breaking and Entering. Yeah, that's uh, render. Okay, good. <laughs> so <if I laughs> name, that, name that book now. No. Uh, also, field research, uh, you have a space between the thought and the thinker. So again, it's, uh-huh. it feels like a kind of an example of some distance and uh, in the book. And in uh, the... Uh, the exact nature of my wrongs. There's also uh-huh. I and the girl as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, in uh, the invisibility exhibit in Harmonita, a girl as well. So I just, I just, I, I mean, anyway, it's interesting. I, I do something similar myself sometimes. I write, uh, um, I disassociation stuff with uh, the girl on the bed and the girl looking above. So you know, I've, yeah, yeah. I think that I think that's a common experience to yeah. not always feel like. You are the person, and I think in Hamarsha from the Invisibility Exhibit, that one was working specifically with like uh, the rising and falling action of a play. Yeah. So, um, so it was like the the girl as the character, yeah, yeah, in there. So sometimes, yeah, I guess there's the me that's the character in the book, and then there's like the me that associates and 
in memory, I don't think that maybe it's consistent for people, but for me, it's not always that consistent. So yeah, yeah. No, it makes sense. There, there are times too, where like there's, um, I'm trying, I can't remember the exact, um, title of the section of the map, the ones with the map. Where you the have my the- map of the real world. Thanks. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. Uh, they real those those um, poems really reminded me of um, my own experience with delusions when I had my health crisis and I was in the hospital. Um, they were some of the stuff, especially the humiliation stuff, was so much what I remember in the delusions that I had. So as I really okay. felt like those ones really, uh, I really resonated. They really resonated with me as as having a similar lived sort of uh, feeling to it. Yeah, those, those were, those were taken directly out of my dream journal. And so the way the poem works is that I, I had this really terrible night that should, you know, like when you're in recovery, you look back on nights that should have been your bottom. Like Mm -hmm. it should have been the, you should have woken up the next day and been like, wow, that was, that was, that was the worst night of my life. I'm never, drinking or using again. And, um, then you keep drinking and using. (laughs) And that was one of those nights where I was just like, I was on a rampage. And so I kind of like had flashes of like being here and now I'm here. And I like walk through the city in a snowstorm and stuff. Um, but those, I guess the, the actual things that I did (laughs) are maybe like, I don't remember them fully. So I don't feel like I can narrate them fully. I couldn't really like convey that experience um, uh, completely because I was in a blackout for a lot of it. And um, also like really, really, really painful things that happen. Um, and so I just kind of went through my dreams and looked for um, kind of analogs that of the dreams that made me feel the same way. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. It, it, when I was having the delusions in the hospital, because I was in ICU, they had given me, a, 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 I was in, on a ventilator, and they'd given me um, meds to, that took away my short-term memory. So okay. I have no memory of being on the ventilator or in ICU. Oh, wow. But what I have is everyone in the hospital that I encountered were in my delusions. So like there were the, the yeah. staff were like the woman who gave, the nurse who gave me my anti-blood clot meds was on crack. And, you know, like, okay. So, but everything, time went in and out for me. Like one minute I'd be somewhere and I, I never knew I had, my relationship with time was really iffy. Yeah. yeah. Reality was definitely iffy. Like uh, I really feel for people who have like um, long-term issues with uh, delusions and stuff like that. And because uh, that was very disturbing. That was very disturbing. I couldn't tell reality from, from the delusions. So Yeah. It's pretty, pretty yeah. terrible. <laughs> It's pretty terrible. So, and, and, and even though it's not the exact same, the, the same experiences, I, I really related to that aspect of your book too, the going in and out and the sort of the, the dreams were pretty terrible too as well as, so yeah, that's, um, how are we doing here? Oh yes, okay. It's, I should always paginate my question pages so I can find mm-hmm. That's it, yeah. Uh, so um, yeah, okay, so um what is this? No, it's okay. So, okay. So yeah. Can we talk about Thanatophobia, the poem series, which appears as three poems in three separate sections of the book? A couple of things that we talk, um, we have um, the passive voice. This is uh, something that appears and also um, your use of it versus he in each poem. And I was wondering whether uh, you intended the confusion or clarity interpretation of it and he, they can be seen, seen as the same or different. 
death equals it, he being another, an unnamed abuser, for instance, but they, yeah, it does, it does seem to switch in and out, so it's not always, uh, uh, at least to me, it's not always clear. I could also be just a poor reader. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, okay, so uh, I should mention that thanatophobia is like the fear of death. Yeah. Um, fear of I one's own, <laughs> yeah, yeah, fear of one's own death, which I, yeah. I have had since I was like seven years old. Like this overwhelming fear of my own mortality. Um, so um, the uh, the he in the poem is generally is death is like a figure that is with me, kind of through all these like uh, uh, found in the first poem like kind of foundational like childhood uh, bad times. Yeah. Um, and I think at one point I was looking through. I was like, did I? do that when I saw your question and I look through and I think there is, I think there's only once where I, I conflate he and it. Um, I, 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 there a couple of times I thought I found it a couple of times, but I, you know. Okay. Uh, so I guess that probably is because I, I think of death as both as male and as a concept. So yeah. maybe that's why that happened. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, um, the main thing, like the main kind of uh, grammatical uh, thing that was happening in Thanatopobia was that the passive voice was yeah. um, whenever uh, the, a parent did something in the books, yeah. um, the parent, it's a, it's a passive voice because it's like, uh, because it is, I'm, I'm, I don't know why <laughs> it just is uh, <laughs> yeah. because they're, because the, the main, um, relationship that I have in that poem is with death and then the kind of whatever's happening in the background is the background. Yeah, yeah it's passive. And, and you know, it, it's interesting too, because I think that um, I remember teaching, um, uh, I don't know, grammar at some point in, when I was uh, in university and, and um, telling uh, people, if you say the garbage should be taken out, is anyone going to get up and take out the garbage? <laughs> but it is, yeah. it is it is a voice that parents often use. It is almost like a, like a voice from on high, right, in a way. So it's just, but in this one, it's sort of a separate aside kind of voice. Yeah, I mean, like, the idea was that it's like there's nothing to point to because when when you're still forming yourself it's like your parents aren't really separate from you, I think was the kind of thought that I had behind it. Yeah. That makes sense. Right. right. Uh, so I wanted to ask you too about the cover and the design of the book. So the cover art is by Jasmine Welch and it's, it's gorgeous. I have the, the PDF, but I understand the physical book is uh, beautifully designed. And on Jasmine's Instagram, she mentions that the cover art is aimed at capturing the book's essence and feeling, which can be very tricky. So, and, uh, which is interesting. She also shares some outtakes on Instagram. Which did you see the mm -hmm. outtakes? So I guess you saw all the different. Uh, you saw some of the yeah, different yeah. She sent me. She sent me a few different of her paintings, which are really, really beautiful, kind of figural and yeah. um, these like um, kind of I don't know, really beautiful uh, works. And the uh, options she gave me were um, kind of like a hand like a, a person with their, their hand at their throat and then this bed on a stormy sea. And for me, um, the, the person with the hand on their throat was, I think, too um, literal or specific or um, too, too like, I don't know, like, I don't know what it was. It was just, 
it was it was too singular in some way and then the bed on the stormy sea i felt was like kind of more open and um like uh more nebulous which i felt like worked better with the material and also i mean like i like them all but i had to choose one so you could have like different covers of of like a bunch of different covers like say some were printed with this one cover and maybe right. translate into another language they'll choose a different yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes we had um, for bywords, which I run. We we have the uh, these cha uh, chapbooks and uh, a little anthology, a chapbook anthology of John Newlove's um, poems and poems of others called "Moments Not Mo Monuments." And Susan Newlove, John's widow, gave us um, mm -hmm. uh, some photos by the uh, photographer uh, Frederick Douglass, who since died. But uh, she gave us so many great ones that we actually we printed four different covers. Oh wow. But, a young John who loves smoking, and then an older one, and that was that was quite fun. So yeah, you that's pretty cool. Can do that with uh, chapbooks, though. <laughs> well, I'll just I'll I'll bring that up with Arsenal. <laughs> there you go. Maybe this, this is a hint. Yeah. I also yeah. I noticed because I, I, I'm such a, a fan of, of of Twitter. I guess I also noticed Ellie Crowley Gardner writing about how great the book the book how beautiful the book is. She says. Um, they're presented in a stunning shape, color, format, texture. Ah, oh, this book is beautifully rendered. <laughs> there you go. I'm quoting it's Ellie. It's very kind. Yeah, it's very yeah. nice of Ellie. Uh, yeah, no, I'm very happy because um, it's it's a it's I guess it's not wider than my other books, but it's a little bit shorter, um, which I feel really works with the with the with the poems on the page. Yeah. Um, and Jasmine is just a really talented designer and we had a lot of back and forth, um, mostly, uh, and she is very, very patient with me, with my um, very specific um, and multiple requests about, uh, <laughs> about the spaces between the lines, oh, yeah. which I was not consistent with at all in uh -huh. my, when I was working in Word. And then when she rendered it in in uh, in design, uh, it it looked different, and I I don't know I had like maybe five different like re re requests about the the spacing, and she was very very uh, patient with me, which I really really appreciate um, because it's. I, I mean, like, you know, like you're a visual poet. So like the way it's, it appears on the page is extremely um, important uh, to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not, I'm not really, um, I'm not really like go with the flow or like flexible about that kind of stuff oh, entirely. Yeah. So, I mean, like in some ways, yes, but like, I mean, I have an idea of what I want and that is important for the poem you know, in, in a way. So I don't, I don't want to make myself like sound like a total diva, but like, I think it's important to be intentional and like to like, to be faithful to the poem. Yeah. Right. And I, I don't, I don't know. I don't think it's, I'm, I'm on both sides. I, I, I get to, uh, I make all kinds of weird, um, uh, changes in word that aren't consistent and then I'm also on the side of having to publish other people's work and seeing the weird things that they do so mm -hmm. I get to be mad at myself gonna go why did I do that because I know that it's gonna cause and Charles like he, he's the one who ultimately designs all of our all of our different things that we do uh, publications and things and he will who will say oh look this other this poet did this weird thing with the spacing again and it's not yeah, translating it into InDesign from Word, sometimes they do weird things. So yeah, he's yeah. Become really good at it. He, he, uh, he shows me uh, little tricks to, to make it less uh, complicated. I saw, who was it? I can't remember who it was now, who was talking about a way to format 
were it into a sort of a book size or chapbook size. So yeah, that, Paul Vermeerich. Yeah, that's um, it. And that yeah, was good yeah. advice. I like that yeah. advice too. I'm going to do that from now on. Yeah. I always tell, um, I love the font Palatino Linotypes. It's the font we use for all of our stuff. And uh, it's very readable, but it's not, uh, it's, it has good things going for it. And uh, so I try to tell people who are sending us work, uh, if it's for a, a chapbook or even an online publication, uh, we, we uh, say a PDF, we use Palatino Linotypes. So if they can start <laughs> with that, then it helps a lot. I'm sorry for the nerdy conversation. About no, <laughs> no. So like the, the main issue was that um, I have single spacing in Word. Yeah. And when they, um, when Jazz put it into InDesign, it came out kind of at, at like one and a half spaces. Yeah, it does, yeah, it does that. And, yeah. Which looks great. But then whenever Not. I wanted more space, I would double space in Word. So it came out as like these huge like, you know, like inch and a half space between lines and I'm like, oh, that looks terrible. Like, why did I do that? And then Too so much I like have to go through <laughs> and then I, I wouldn't like, I tell her to do like half of it and then I would miss a bunch. And then she, I don't know, she was just really, really nice about everything. And I love the way it turned out. <laughs> it turned yeah, out well, I'm looking forward to seeing the, seeing the book. I haven't uh, yeah. entered any bookstores really. I did go into chapters one day, but the bathroom was closed. So that was pointless, but uh <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, uh, yeah, I haven't been in any bookstores uh, since this whole pandemic started. I miss bookstores, but uh, I look forward to seeing seeing your book too. Is there anything else you want to talk about about the book, or, or um, you have your launch coming up, uh, your your and a few events coming up? Uh? Yeah, I'm doing a word on the street event. So all of this is online. Like obviously, yeah. like we're not we're not gathering anywhere. Um, I'm doing a, an event for Word on the Street at the end of September, which is on, um, one sec, it is on Sunday, September, September 27th at 1130, um, with uh, Al Moritz and Randy Lundy. Um, so we'll be doing like a, like a poetry panel, I guess. Um, don't know how that's going to stream yet. I'm assuming that you would check the Word on the Street website. Yeah. Um, and a few other events that have not been quite determined, but my launch will be on October the 13th, which is the Tuesday after Thanksgiving. Um, and it will be hosted by Night Fork Book. Wonderful, so wonderful great. Kirby. That's two days before my birthday, so, you know. I'll, I'll... Oh, well, happy birthday. There you go, in October. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm, I'm launching, you know, in honor of your birthday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, but now I'm, I'll be definitely. But uh, I also I love Knife Fork Book and Kirby. So that'll be that'll that's great. How wonderful that you're going to I was I was supposed to read there uh, in uh, when was it April or some or May or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. That, that got quashed along with everything else. I know. It's so sad. What a sad year for books. Yeah, <laughs> just, just, for, I mean, for events, for poets, like I'm sure like novelists are doing fine. But like, um, you know, poetry, I find really happens a lot of, a lot of like my dissemination and kind of contact exactly. happens yeah. in person. In person. Um, so exactly. kind of a drag, but yeah. you know, That's it. are you, do you, are you, uh, I mean, you, you have your, your, your child, so it's, and, and lack of sleep, but are, do you write at this point? Are you writing? No. Or, yeah. No yeah, writing. No yeah. way. Even without COVID-19, I think you've got enough. Yeah. I mean, like, I, as soon as, like, like, when I'm in, like, uh, um, kind of promotion and uh, sharing yeah. of the new book mode, then I kind of give myself a break for, like, not, not writing. Um, 
otherwise, like I like to bite, beat myself up every day for not writing. And <laughs> but when I'm, when I'm not writing at this point, then, and just with the, with the baby, there's just like, no, there is no way. There's no way. Like I, I don't get like right now is that like, we're having this conversation is during the day. It's like very, um, strange for me. So I don't know what I was thinking, thinking that I could tour her, tour the baby, tour the baby, tour the book with the baby, because that was supposed to be the original plan is that like, I'd take the baby with me on tour. And like, now I'm just like, that was a terrible idea. (laughs) Other other parents were going, yeah, okay, right. (laughs) Actually, last year, uh, I think in December, I saw a poet. I can't remember what her name is now. I've just, I'm compl- I also cannot remember anything because oh. my brain is a sieve, but she came to Toronto on tour with her six month old and she wow. read with the baby in the carrier, like Amazing. on her chest. <laughs> and it was just like, is that going to be me? Maybe that will be me. And I'm like, no, there's no, no way. There's no way. My baby will not, my baby would not stand for that. at all. <laughs> so she had a very, she had a very good baby. My baby is more much more structured and needs to be in bed by 8 p.m so yeah that's great anything else you want to say before i i, I complete my I, I offer praise for the book <laughs> oh no um thank you so much for doing this um and i hope that we get to see each other in person sometime yeah. I, you know, you know we've, we've never so. met I, I remember you read a tree yeah, we have I, met we have met have we I don't think we have met in person. I feel like we oh. we've probably we've been adjacent a few times, but I don't think because yeah. there was a reading you did at, at Tree a few years back that I for some reason wasn't at. There was a huge snowstorm. Oh, that there was, was a huge that snowstorm that night. Yeah, I remember. I remember you actually messaging me and saying, "Sorry, I can't come." And I was like, "I wouldn't come to my reading. Yeah, really. if it wasn't me." Because now I, I don't like snowstorm. it when people yeah. message me and tell me they can't come to a reading. Yeah. For some- so now I wouldn't do that. So I hope that <laughs> I would just tell you after the fact rather than before, because, you know, you get that barrage of people saying, sorry, oh, I'm not going to be able to make it. It's like, I know, oh, I'm I always, more nervous I now. Always, I always message afterwards saying, sorry, yeah, I didn't exactly. come. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, so in Render, Sachiko Murakami has created a moving collection of intimate and heart-rending poems with imagery and language that is visceral, close to the bone, questioning, apologetic, and direct, tackling difficult subjects and experiences with eyes open. Through subtle shifts between memories and dreams, history and story, she continues a body of work that is outward-looking as well as inward-looking as a way to rebuild, reach out, and move forward. That's what I have to say. Yay! Thank you. Yay! Okay. Thanks very much for coming, and uh, have a good good uh, launch and uh, time at Word on the Street, and uh, I'll wave to you at the Knife Fork book read- reading. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Thanks so much, Amanda. Okay, take care. Small Machine Talks with Amanda Earl and A.M. Kozak.